You are listening to the Daily Homily for Magdala in the Holy Land. Jesus said to the crowds, This is how it is with the kingdom of God. It is as if a man were to scatter seed on the land and would sleep and rise night and day, and the seed would sprout and grow. He He knows not how. Of its own accord, the land yields fruit, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. And when the grain is ripe, he wheels the sickle at once, for the harvest has come. He said, to what shall we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable can we use for it? It is like a mustard seed that when it is sown in the ground, it is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. But once it is sown, it springs up and becomes the largest of plants and puts forth large branches so that the birds of the sky can dwell in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to understand it. Without parables, he did not speak to them, but to his own disciples, he explained everything in private. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Would you like Jesus to explain the parables to you? Would somebody like that? Some people appreciate a certain theologian or writer I just had a call, a voicemail from a young man in Ireland, and he was here actually a few months ago, and he was telling me that he had read a couple of books that had helped him a lot. So a very good writer. I actually recommended one of the writers to him, and I want to read the book he read. It's about Mary, Brent Petrie from Louisiana. He's written a very beautiful book about the Jewish roots of the Eucharist. And he has written this other book, The Jewish Roots of Mary, that I haven't read yet. So, you know, we appreciate a great author, a great speaker like Fulton Sheen or uh, Bishop Barn or others. But imagine being able to sit down with Jesus and he would explain the parables for you. Would you like that? And the ones who do that are the disciples, the ones who become disciples because they enter into that intimacy. The thing about the kingdom of God is not about like having all the information squared away and you do the tally and you say, okay, I'm going to buy this. It's much more like the relationship of people growing toward marriage. You know, they don't share bank accounts at the first date. (laughs) They don't share personal family stories at the first date. It's a whole process of growing in a relationship. And the kingdom of heaven is like this because the kingdom of heaven is not a business. The kingdom of heaven is not a military organization or political organization where there are certain commitments and I want to be a citizen in this country so I will do all the things that's required in order to become a citizen. No, the kingdom of heaven is is a relationship. but It's much more like a family, like a marriage, like friendship. And so the parables then... The more we grow into the friendship with Christ, the more we understand the parables. 
And that's why the people who best understand and explain the scriptures are the saints. Pope Benedict pointed this out very beautifully a couple of times, and he called the saints the best exegetes. If you want to know what Jesus meant when he <clears throat> spoke about poverty, leaving everything, come after me, sell it, give it all to the poor, and come follow me, you should ask a Franciscan. St. Francis, you should ask St. Francis, because St. Francis did that. He left everything. He, his father was a very rich merchant who was in the trade with the East that was very successful in the, in the 12th century, in the 1100s. And he was a very powerful trader. And <clears throat> Francis left that to, to follow Jesus. So he, he got to understand the, from the inside. I'll never forget, I have referred to it here a couple of years ago, I think, an experience I had. I was still just a seminarian, and one of my tasks was to go to get funds for our seminarians. And I had an appointment with the bishop, who has since long passed away. But this was back in the 1980s, so it's 40 years ago, and he was a bishop, so he was surely probably in his 60s at that time. And then he went on to be, um, to be a cardinal, actually. And uh, he always helped us with, with two scholarships for our seminarians. And I couldn't believe it, but he was sharing with me a great suffering he had in the diocese with some people who made his life very difficult. And they went on the media, and it was very unjust because they didn't really represent the people they said they were representing. And he just had to bear that because he couldn't go out and take them on publicly. It wasn't the right answer. Like, Jesus didn't go out and fight all the things that were done against him. And he, he said, with a, with a, uh, there was a gleam of light and love in his eyes, and he said, you know, only now did I discover a new joy, the joy of suffering persecution in Je for Jesus' name. And that, I never forget that moment because I realized he was speaking from the heart, and he had a new insight. Because I could tell you, you know, blessed are those who suffer persecution you know, they will be, there's the kingdom of heaven. But he tasted it because he was being uh, very unjustly treated in the media by a small group of leaders in the diocese who weren't representative of the feeling of all their, their, their area. And, but he suffered that, he really suffered. And he offered it up to Jesus and he was filled with a joy that he said he never tasted before. So in order to understand the gospel and the path of Jesus, we have to become, we have to enter into the relationship. And we know from the lives of the mystics and the great spiritual scholars, like the ones who explain the spiritual life, they're the ones who did it. Like John of the Cross and Teresa of Avila, they're the greatest mystics in Western tradition, in the Western Christian tradition, <clears throat> or at least they're known like that. And there are many others as well, extraordinary people uh, of the, you know, their great caliber in the spiritual life. And, but they have done it, and they've lived the path of Jesus, of self-renunciation, taking up your cross every day and following me without compromises. And it's a response to grace. It's not that they were great like super Tarzans of the spiritual life. They were blessed to say yes and follow that call. So. Uh, I think this is a very interesting way because sometimes we'd say, like, was Jesus trying to be unfair and he just put out parables out there so most of the people wouldn't get it? No, if they got a little bit, then they'd come closer and want more. 
and they'd ask for more, and they'd enter into the discipleship. Because we have many of our Catholics, and they're not in the discipleship. Oh, I'm a great Catholic. But, you know, what, what does that mean? And to enter into that personal friendship with Christ. And there we see St. Paul, and he was extraordinary in the way his life became one. He said, it's no longer I who live, it's Christ who lives in me. This is an, another way of, it's like a whole other level. And no wonder a guy like him uh, generates, uh, provokes, fosters, um, uh, rises up uh, disciples who fall in love with Jesus, like Titus and Timothy, who we see today. And this is all from God's power, you know, that the farmer sows the seed. I'm a farming boy. I saw many fields of grains ripening, how many all the years of my life at home on the farm until I left for the seminary in 1974. And you see the, the oats and the wheat and the barley. We had them every year, especially oats and barley. And you watch them growing. And exactly what you said, the blade, the little shoot out of the ground, and then it develops a stalk, and then you have the ear where the grains are going to form, and then the grains are there, and then it's getting ripe, and then it's golden, and then you get the harvest because you, it'll go bad if you don't get it out very quickly. There's so many more things to say in these readings. I invite you to look at them. They are marvelous. Imagine that little line there about he's saying to Timothy, and this faith you have that was first lived in your grandmother Lois, with her name. He knows her name, and her name is here in the New Testament. And in your mother Eunice, so the grandmother to the mother to the child, who is Timothy. What a, what a way to go to, uh, to the legacy we receive, faith of our fathers, what we sing at the beginning of the Mass, and the legacy we are called to pass on to siblings, friends. So many people don't get a good deal at the beginning. They, they they're, suffer so much in their lives. They're not encouraged, even in their homes. They need so much. What a calling we have to pass on this gift of faith. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to learn more about Magdala, follow us on YouTube and on Facebook.